I agree. God is great. So if you would open your Bibles with me tonight, Acts chapter 3. Oh, man. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. We'll be reading there briefly. So, as you guys are all aware, we are going into revival this weekend. And as revival services approach, for understandable reasons, we all get very excited. I'm excited. It's a great privilege and joy for us as a congregation to be ministered by the office of the evangelist, a God-appointed position, a man coming in appointed by God to deliver messages from God specific to a congregation like ours. But as we approach revival, I want to pose some questions tonight. What are our expectations for these services. What do you expect for you? What do you expect for your church? What do you expect for your city? And what do you expect for after revival? Who do you expect to receive these things from? The evangelist himself or the one who appointed him to his very role? Do we expect them from God himself? You see, sometimes we can look to man to fulfill our expectations, even ourselves. Or even expect God to fulfill our expectations through a man, such as the evangelist. But the real question is, are our expectations of God's work too close to this world? Or do we believe that our God can move beyond all we could imagine in supernatural ways beyond our natural understanding? So let's read our text tonight. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John uh, go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet, his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Tonight I want to preach a sermon I've, I've entitled, Expecting. Let's pray. Father God, tonight, Lord, let us come before you, Father, expecting your spirit to move, God. Expecting you to speak to us, God. Not by what I have prepared tonight, God, but by the power of your spirit, Lord, moving in this place. 
Minister, my Lord, to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start with our expectations. And the question is, do we go into revival or events similar to it seeking a get-me-by miracle? What do I mean by that? Acts chapter 3, verse 2, they speak of this man. It says, the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate at the temple. That is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple. You see, in our life, we see our needs. We know what our issues are. We know the things that would help us out. We know our big problems to our little problems. But the interesting thing here is that the man can't walk. The text makes that very clear. But his focus on his issue daily is what is caused by his inability to walk, which is his financial needs. Begging for alms is the way the text puts it, and basically it's begging for money is what he's doing. He's looking for, for financial help because if you can't walk, you, you can't work. You can't do much, especially in that day and age. So the issue that he deals with daily is a lack of income or a lack of money. That is his personal issue, but it's caused by a greater issue. It's his inability to move. His need for money is caused by a larger problem. Now, it's interesting that I think to note in verse 2, he sits outside of the temple. He knows that the house of God is the place to be. He knows that the house of God is where you can get answers to your problems, solutions to your issues. But yet the text says he sits outside of the temple. Consider this, church. We believe in miracles. We read it in the Bible. But are we getting close enough to God to seek the miracles that we need or are we only getting close enough to God to seek the get-me-by miracles? Are we only getting close enough to God to seek the get-me-through experiences? Do we approach revival with a, I just need enough Holy Spirit to get me to conference? And sometimes we say stuff like that, and, and there is some truth to it. Especially when you get more and more into serving God, you get more and more tired. That is a reality. Are we only getting close enough to God through these experiences to get by? He's sitting outside of the temple seeking a temporary fix to his much larger problem. Even if Peter and John gave him a large sum of money. Even if he said, hey guys, I could really use some help and they dropped a couple, a couple bennies in the basket. He's going to be back after too long. He's going to be back to where he was in the same situation he was in before with his legs still lame, unable to deal with his daily needs on his own ability. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't claim to know the issues of this man's heart. And I don't claim to know that, that he wasn't going into the temple because he didn't want to seek God all the way. But let this illustrate the issue is that he was not all the way in the temple of God. He was just close enough 
to get enough of a fix to make it through to the next day. The next question is, as we address our bigger issues, the things that we ask God to get involved in, is an interesting question, is are we afraid of the full miracle? It's crazy to think, but in the day and age that we live in, it's very different than the day and age that this lame man lived in. If you could not work, you did not eat. But today in America, if you're lame in the legs, there's programs and there's things, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but there are things like disability payments, welfare, food stamps, these things that, that help men just like this. And it's hard to imagine, but I've heard of people who when they're presented with, hey, let me pray for you, that you could be set free from this issue, the first thought that comes to their mind is, if I'm healed of this issue, I lose my disability payments. Think about that. If I, if I get healed of this issue, I have to provide for myself. If I get healed of this issue, I have responsibility. You see, the man in our text, if he got healed of his issue, like he did, I'm sure from that point forward he had to go out and earn his own way. But considering he had no other options other than begging, to him this was probably a glorious alternative. Are we afraid of the responsibilities that might come our way should we receive the blessing and the gifts and the miracles that we know we need from God? We ask ourselves, what might God expect of me if he were to work in such an amazing way in my life? Can I live up to it? Do I want to live up to it? Church, it's amazing the lies from hell that we will fall prey to and even ask ourselves to get to the point to where we wonder, do I really want a miracle from God? Now, I believe that this man fully embraced this miracle. As I said before, I don't, I don't claim to know the deep issues of his heart. But the question is for us, when we come before God, in the house of God, what do we want him to do in us? What do we expect him to do in us, in our lives? Are we just seeking a get-me-by miracle? Or do we want a full, unfiltered miracle of God? I want to take a moment, think for a moment, each one of you individually, of an area in your life where you need God to move. And I don't mean like, my gas tank is low on gas. I mean like, you need God to move. Now with that in your mind, just, just let that be in your mind. Now heading into revival, heading into conferences, heading into all of these things, what should we expect from God? What can we expect from God? How can we expect God to move? This man in our text expected something. Verse 5 says, And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting? 
He was in the right place at the right time, but had low expectations for what was going to take place. He came to the gates of the house of God to seek his needs, but he had no idea what that God could really do. And we read about miracles in the Bible. We read about the acts of God, the things that He's done. But the question is for us as individuals, as we consider the miracles that we want God to do, consider the areas where we need God to move, we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that God can really move in that way? And if you're honest with yourself and the answer is no, then I have good news for you. There's a solution. Ask God to help you. Mark chapter 9 is the story of this man. His son is possessed by a mute spirit. He tells uh, Jesus' disciples that whenever it seizes him, he throws down to the ground, his mouth begins to foam, and he grinds his teeth. It's a very serious issue. And he tells Jesus, he says, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they weren't able to do it. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And so they brought the boy to him. And as soon as he got close to Jesus, the boy manifested. He began to impulse, uh, sorry, convulse, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at it. How many know that when you get close to Jesus, your problems manifest sometimes? And if you don't know, now you know. And pay attention next time, you'll see it. I mean, I've seen it. People come to church and they leave before they even come inside because, oh, as soon as I pulled into church, my stomach started hurting. Well, yeah. The devil didn't want you to walk through those doors today. I woke up Sunday morning and my head hurt. Well, yeah. What did you expect? The closer we get to Jesus, the more eager we get to come to Jesus, the more our problems are going to manifest until Jesus deals with them. So this happens, this, this boy comes to Jesus and immediately begins to manifest his issues. And Jesus asks him, how long has this been happening to him? The father explains, it's been for a long time, since his childhood. And then he asks Jesus this question, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And verse 23, Jesus responds and says, if you can... All things are possible for the one who believes. Now think about this. What did I just ask you? Do you believe that God can move in that area? Do you believe that God can touch that area of your life? And Jesus tells this man, all things are possible to the one who believes. This man responds in verse 24 and he says, I believe but help my unbelief. What an interesting statement. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe, but help my... What a, what a conflict of our inner self. What a conflict of our faith. I believe, but not all the way. God, I believe, but it doesn't feel like I believe enough. God, I believe, but I'm inadequate. I don't deserve it. I don't, I'm not worthy of it. 
God, I believe, but I can't amount to who I think you'll want me to be afterwards. God, I believe, but I don't know if I believe. But he says, help my unbelief. And then what happens is, is a beautiful image of the mercy of our God. He says, God, I believe, but he admits, uh, maybe not enough. But help me in that. Help me in my unbelief. And Christ does just that. He answers his prayer. He says, okay, your belief, even though you don't feel like it's enough, was enough for me because I saw it within you and I knew that you desired more. And he heals his son. He sets him free from this spirit. Church, if you believe, but you feel like you don't believe, ask God to help you believe. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Say, God, I believe that you can move in this area, but help my unbelief. God, I believe that you can move in this area, but clear my doubt. Because just as much as you believe, the devil's whispering lies in your other ear. God, I believe but help me believe more. Pray that prayer. Even right now, even right now, pray that prayer. God, I believe, but please help me in my unbelief. Kill any doubt within me. Cast it back to hell. I don't want it within me. I don't want it part of my life. I want unfiltered miracles from God. Church, if we put God in a box, if we put his abilities into a box, then we will also live in a box. Living life restricted by our unbelief and our unfaithfulness. Back to our text, the question is, getting close to God, can we learn to walk? Verse 2 from our text says that this man was not only lame, but he was born that way. He could never walk. He never had the strength in his legs. He didn't suffer an injury. He didn't get in a car accident. He didn't fall off his bike. He didn't jump off a two-story building and crush his ankles. He didn't get sick. He didn't get cancer. He didn't have any, anything that happened later on. He was born this way. He's been immobile his whole life, and it's all he's ever known. Some areas of our life, spiritually speaking, we are the same. God, I've never really felt like my prayer life has gotten running. I've never really felt like I can walk in the Word. God, why is it that every time I start going to church seriously, something kicks me down? Why can I not walk with you? This is a spiritual issue. But when we experience the full power of God, when we are willing to go into the temple, past the gates, we can learn to walk. We can learn to walk with God in the ways that he wants us to. Now listen, this man's never walked a day in his life, not once. Now think about how remarkable this miracle is. Verses 7 and 8, And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. 
This is more than just healed joints. You, you know those people that get seriously injured and they get surgery to put things back together and they're like, okay, great, you're put back together, but you got to go to physical therapy for months on end to regain strength. That's not what happened. He didn't have to go to physical therapy. The strength came with the healing. Did you hear that? The strength came with the healing. The ability to walk came with the miracle. Do we believe God can do this in us? That if God can touch us in that way, if he can move in that miracle that hopefully is still in your mind, do we believe that when that happens, we can walk in that victory? That we can walk within that miracle? Do we believe that we can receive more than just alms from God? More than just a get-me-by from God? Or even beyond that, that we should receive miracles and powerful moves of God and also provide us the strength to put these blessings to use for the kingdom. Church, going into revival, what do you believe that God can do in you? What do you believe that God can do in our church? What do you believe that God can do in our city? Should God heal you? Should God work these miracles? Should God touch you in these ways? Believe in the strength to use it for His glory. Should our church expand? Believe in the strength to maintain a testimony and a joy before the new converts. That's the, that's the amazing thing about any church of any size, but even especially Pioneer Works, is if you got saved last week and then you come to church the next week and somebody else comes and gets saved, they're looking at you as an example in the church. They don't know that you got saved last week. They just say, hey, all these people were here already serving and loving God and I need to learn from them. Should our church expand? Can we believe in the strength from God to maintain a testimony and joy before new converts that we can be a light before them, that we can be an example to look up to? Think about the miracle. Think about the miracle in your mind. Do you believe God can move here? Do you believe He can move there? If you don't, ask Him to help your belief. Do you want Him to move there? Do you genuinely want God to touch that area of your life? Do you believe He can touch that area of your life? Then believe that He will. And God will make up the rest. It's not by our power. Even our belief isn't good enough. Think about the text of the man with the, with the possessed son. Even our belief isn't good enough. And Christ has to make up the difference there too. Are we looking to Christ first in the area of these miracles? Are we saying, God, I, want, I have my own ideas, but what do you want me to do? God, I think I need to make this happen, but what do you want me to do? Listen, do not let the world provide answers to God's tests. Because you will fail the test. <laughs> 
But are we coming before God with the right expectations? Are we coming before God with full expectations? Are we bringing our heart fully before God? Fully prepared for a miracle. Fully prepared for Him to move in whatever way that He sees fit. Our God is not some pretty statue. Our God is not some mythical creature. Our God is a supernatural God, and we should expect supernatural moves. Revival services, rallies, conferences. What are we looking for? What are we expecting? How do we expect to see God to move? Are we, do we want to just come and see a guy yelling and making us feel good and go, woo amen, and getting this emotional rise in ourselves and then go home feeling good? Or are we expecting God to move in us supernaturally for a lifetime? Verses 3 through 5 from our text says, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, verse 4, he had to begin to wonder what was going on here. Something's going this. They look at him and say, look at us. <laughs> like, anybody who comes by, like, yeah, okay, here you go, buddy. And they, they probably don't even want to make eye contact with him, right? But they look at him and say, look at us. And he goes, okay, something's about to happen. Something's, something's different about these guys. Something's up with these guys. Maybe he thought they were just going to give him something substantial. Maybe they thought they were going to rebuke him for begging outside of the temple. But either way, verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 5 says he looked at them expecting. Maybe he knew who they were. They had a reputation by now. Maybe he knew who they were and he was expecting something supernatural. Maybe he goes, that Peter and John guy, I've heard the, some of the stuff that they've done. Maybe I'll stand up right now. Maybe a miracle could happen. Maybe I won't just get a couple coins. Who knows? Who knows what was, only God knows what was going through his mind in this moment. But it says he was looking at them expecting. Think of that miracle. Just like uh, John and Peter said to him, God is saying to you, verse 5, look at me. He's telling you in this area of your life, look at me. And we should be just like the beggar because that's all we are is beggars. Verse 5, he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. Christ is telling you, look at me. And we should do just that with expectations. Christ is saying, your problems are bigger than your begging basket. Your problems are bigger than your, than your needs today. You need to walk. Look at me. And we look at Him with full expectation that we will receive something from Him. Fix your eyes on Christ. 
expecting? Are you expecting God to move in your life? Revival, conferences, Wednesday night church service. Are you living a life? Are you operating in the spirit of expectation of our supernatural God? Are we expecting that God will move and that he will move for you? Think of your miracle. Are you bringing yourself before God? Are you bringing this area of your life before God? With the big picture in mind, or are we only seeking get me by alms? Are you seeking to have your life changed by the same God who created you? Miracles by His supernatural power to change the very fabric of your existence. When you come to church Wednesday night, when you come to revival, when you come to conference, when you come to anything, are you expecting God to move in your whole life? Or are you only asking Him to get you through today? This week, this month, till conference? Or are we expecting our God of miracles to redirect our whole life closer to Him, healed by Him, set free by Him? What happens? The man gets up and walks, and where's the first place he goes? Into church, closer to God. And what does it say he was doing? Worshiping God. Do we come before God with full expectations? Do we come before God willing to give him all of us? Malachi 3.10 Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down your, you a blessing until there is no more need. Now this verse, of course, is speaking about tithes and offerings. It's talking about money. It's talking about being faithful in that area. But what about us as people? What about us as a whole? Romans 12.1, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So if Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and Romans 12.1 says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, then we should give God all of us if we want Him to open the windows of heaven for us. We should give God our full heart, our full being, our full existence, if we want Him to open the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Bring your full self before God, that there may be servants in the house of God, and see if He will not work in your life in impossible ways and provide and produce in you what only He can do. 
Give your all, give your all to, to the God who made it all. Give your all to the God who made it all. And he will make more out of your little. He will make strengths out of your weakness. He will make wisdom out of your foolishness. He will make health out of your disability. Do you believe God can do more than just get you by? Then give it all over to him. And let him do what only he can do. Stop limiting God to a get-me-by God and acknowledge Him as the miracle-working, all-powerful, almighty God. Coming to church, coming to revival services, what do we expect from our God? Are we just hoping for a pick-me-up to get me to the next one? Are we just hoping for get-me-by-alms? Or are we expecting a complete and total transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's go into revival with expectations. Let's go into revival expecting that God will move supernaturally. And continue to move supernaturally after revival. That we can realize that revival services aren't just services. That revival isn't just a five-service, four-day stretch. But that revival is the outpouring of God's Spirit upon a body of people that changes the culture around them. That our revival services will spark a long-lasting revival. That we can expect God to move supernaturally during these services and thereafter. Only our God, only our God can make a lame man walk again. And only our God can bring full life to your soul. Only our God can bring miracles that the world cannot bring. Only our God can change your circumstances in the blink of an eye. Only our God can give you victories in area where the world says to give up and quit because there's no chance. Only our God can do what only our God can do. Expect it. Expect it. Tell Him, God, I believe but help me unbelieve. God, I believe, but cast out my doubt. Expect God to move. Expect God to touch your life. Expect God to be who His Word says He's going to be. And see what He will do. Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed tonight?